Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bell is here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And on today's show, we're going to first talk about news of the day. Uh, short little segment there uh, with the Badgers getting back into the rankings. We'll talk about some other Big Ten teams and where they are in the latest AP poll. Now that the Big Ten teams are allowed back into the rankings, should be a fun little conversation. Then we'll get into um, some around college football talk on our Monday episode. Um, a couple weeks ago, we um, did uh, a recap of kind of the weekend, uh, the, the games, and there was plenty of uh, crazy action this past weekend, some big teams going down, which should affect uh, the playoffs and everything like that. And with the Big Ten now being back in the mix, it'll uh, affect the, the Badgers and, and surrounding teams even more. So we'll talk about that, and then we'll get into some returner profiles for the Wisconsin football team started that back up as well last week uh, with the return to football. So plenty of uh, stuff to get to on the show, uh, which should be fun and uh, a nice conversation. Then for our episode later in the week, we've got a couple things in the works, possibly a mailbag. We'll uh, start looking at the Wisconsin depth chart for the offense and the defensive side of the ball. So some fun things coming. Uh, nice and easy light show for you guys today, and then we'll uh, get into some of that uh, harder-hitting stuff uh, next week or later this week and, and uh, into next week. So, Matt, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Ready to talk a little Badger football after watching another great weekend of of college football and and, and NFL football. Um, you know, the Sunday night game last night was a lot of fun. So, um, how you doing? I'm good. Yeah, it was great to see the the Packers get a win. I know both you and I are, are Packer fans, and I would guess a good amount of our listeners are as well. So uh, that was a a welcome sight uh, on Sunday night football. Got a good one. You know, we're recording here on Monday, so a good game. Uh, Monday night here with the, the Chiefs and Ravens, so that should be a nice round out to uh, a fun weekend, and, and things felt a little bit more normal this past weekend with the return of the SEC and with the Big Ten getting closer eventually that first October weekend with, uh, you know, all the conference, I guess not the Pac-12 and, and Mountain West and MAC, but uh, three of uh, the big boys kind of back in action, uh, you know, with the Big Ten joining up with them will be will be a nice sight, uh, and, and we'll finally feel more normal. You know, the SEC coming back really helped uh, this past weekend, but uh, can't wait for those Big Ten games to get started. But with that, with the return of the Big Ten, it also comes the uh, rankings, so we'll get into our news of the day right now. Here's what's happening. All right, so news of the day. Uh, the teams that have not played, which would be the Big Ten and, and Pac-12 conferences, are now allow, allowed back into the AP rankings. A uh, little bit, kind of a weird, um, you know, uh, process there with the uh, with with the AP poll rankings. Some teams not playing, things like that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But the Badgers come back in, ranked 18th, which uh, 18th in the coaches poll, 19th in the AP poll, which is a little bit lower than what they were. Um, before everything kind of happened. Uh, the original AP poll, I believe they were 12th or in that range. Um, so definitely a drop down because of, you know, not being in action and some teams playing. But it's nice to see Wisconsin back in there. 
um, some other Big Ten teams in there as well, which we'll get to in a minute. But what did you make of the the Badgers ranking, uh, getting back into the polls, which is nice to see? Man, I, I, I swear you could just blindfold somebody and, and ask them where the Badgers are going to be ranked preseason. <laughs> you could probably say, oh, yeah, they'll be in, their te- in the teens, um, and uh, you would most likely be right um, outside of a few years where they get um, – are in this top 10 or in the upper 20s. But, but yeah, I mean, anywhere between that, you know, 13 to 19 rank age or uh, ranking stage makes a lot of sense for the Badgers right now. Um, I, I think it'll be really interesting to see what this team looks like once there's actually put the pads on and are playing um, in a game because you're looking at some teams that are in front of them. And while, yes, they've played some games, there's others that haven't, like Oregon's up to 14. Um, as well, and, and they haven't played a game, and they'll actually be playing uh, another week later than the Big Ten. Oklahoma is right in front of them in the AP poll, and Oklahoma looked very, very um, beatable con- considering the way they lost to Kansas State. Um, and so I, I'm excited to see how things shake out. Um, a lot of risers like Miami, another team that really jumped up in the rankings, but the Badgers are just going to kind of hold serve and, and hang in there, I would assume, in the top 25 until they play. And then then it's all about what you do on your resume to, to really make a difference because right now it's just fluff for the most part. Nothing really matters with the rankings at this point. Yeah, right now it's uh, just got to, you know, once you're, you're in there, it's nice to see, but uh, once you're on the field, you really got to take care of business and you might see uh, more teams kind of pushing the envelope, you know, they talk, they quote unquote running up the score and, and looking impressive. You're going to have some conferences and some teams that are going to have to, to really put their best foot forward every week out. Can't even, you know, even if you, you know, in college football, the, the age old adage is, okay, you, you escaped a win, but uh, that might not even be enough for you uh, this season. You might need to win and, and win impressively to, uh, you know, make your, case for the college football playoff because there's going to be teams that, that don't get through their entire schedule. You know, there's teams that uh, were, were supposed to be playing those first four weeks and, and still hadn't played. So it's it's going to be wonky. It's going to be weird. But uh, when you get your chance, you're going to have to prove that ranking and the batters will get that here in, in just a few weeks, which will be nice to see. And uh, I like what you mentioned with the uh, the 13 to 18 ranking. Um, if, if you just kind of threw a blind dart, uh, you'd, you'd pretty much hit there every time. And personally, I, I think most Badger fans like that. I mean, the uh, if if we're ranked too high, it always is nerve-wracking. But if you're ranked, uh, you know, kind of in that normal range, it usually, you know, you can you can almost peg up a 10-win season when the Badgers are a little bit underrated, maybe in those, uh, you know, upper teens, uh, seasons like that, which, which always end up improving on their numbers. So it's nice to see the Badgers in that spot. I think that's a fair and, and good spot to be where they're at right now. Yeah, I think it's a good launching off point. It's it's now it's just about making sure that you're winning your games that you're supposed to and going and doing it because inevitably things in front of you will flesh out and uh, as long as you take care of business, you're, you're going to be in, in the conversation for where you want to be at the end. Speaking of teams in the conversation, we'll talk about the other Big Ten teams here quick. Ohio State came in at 6, Penn State at 10, Michigan at 23. So uh, more Big Ten teams in there. Uh, of course, for the Badgers, it'll be nice because Michigan being in the rankings will certainly help uh, as they try to boost their resume with them on the schedule, um, having a road trip to Ann Arbor. 
Uh, but just how weird is it to you to kind of look at? Because I was looking through the rankings and, and seeing some of these teams that were one and zero or two and zero and behind teams that haven't played. How weird and, and wonky is it to see uh, these Big Ten and these Pac-12 teams? I, the Pac-12 is even weirder for me. You know, Oregon being up there so high and they're not playing till uh, November. How odd is it to, to kind of see some of that? Yeah, it's definitely weird. Um, you know, you look at a team like Oklahoma State, even though they they haven't done it pretty they they still are just barely in front of the badgers um and and that's kind of just a weird thing to to figure i i thought the most interesting piece of some of the big 10 teams is ohio state uh in according to the ap voters got the second most first place votes uh right behind clemson um clemson got 55 so they're running away with it alabama got three and then ohio state got four so i think that tells you exactly how bullish people are on Ohio State once they come back and are in, in the mix. Um, I, I think Florida is another team that's up there, but but it really you look at Penn State, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I could picture them being a little farther back. I do agree that they should be in front of Oregon, but I don't know if they should necessarily be in front of UCF, who's playing really, really good right now, albeit against you know very different competition level. But um, I, I think really the more this plays out, the more the season rattles on, it'll it'll come into a clear picture. I think Michigan's mostly on name alone there at 23, just because I, I really I don't necessarily think that Michigan has has got the hype that they normally do coming into a season. And and you saw that uh, you have other teams like Pitt who's actually behind them and they've won three games, a uh, couple of them in conference. So it's it's one of those things where it's like. Sure, but part of it is also that there's just not that many great teams to put in the rankings right now because there isn't as many playing. Yeah, it's definitely odd. You know, you, you always think about, you know, it took me, I saw, you know, like Mississippi State jumping into uh, the top 25, and, of course, it was a, a great win for them over, uh, you know, at the time, sixth-ranked LSU. I think if you looked at LSU on paper, you wouldn't say they were a, a top-10 team with, with all that they lost, but... Uh, that ranking still counts, and now all of a sudden you're you're up to 16, and it kind of took me back to like uh, the NCAA football days, uh, you know, on the PlayStation where you would start with some no-name school and you'd, you'd schedule an early season game against a, a big uh, in a team like that and take them down, and all of a sudden you're just hoping you're hopping up into the rankings with one win because that's that's kind of a lot of what uh, the rankings look like right now. You know, there's there's teams jumping up all over the place. You know, BYU. Uh, hopping in there uh, at 22, and, and you know teams like Tennessee, one game right back up in there. So it's it's a little wonky, it's a little weird that you know uh, like the Volunteers got a got a win over South Carolina and, and still aren't ahead of the Badgers. It just uh, reminded me of those those olden days with the the, the you know the PlayStation 2 or the PlayStation 3. But it's it's going to be weird. It's going to be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out because like I said before, you're not going to have the same amount of of games. So uh, Resume-wise, you can't have the same talking points. It's going to be a lot more eye test, which will be interesting to see. But uh, I think if you're in, in a Big Ten team's case with, with eight teams, if you kind of handle your business, you'll be fine. Uh, the Pac-12, you're probably a little more nervous. You can't really afford any sort of shakiness. But uh, it'll be it'll be cool to see how this all plays out. And, and at the end of the day, it's, it's good to just be having more football and, and everyone finally kind of getting a return to play is nice to see. Yeah, I, th- I think it really just comes down to you just gotta win. You, you, regardless of of what the how many games you get in, if you win, you look good doing it. People are gonna take notice. Um, just look at, like we said, Miami. They're three and zero. I think that's a little inflated based off the fact that Florida State is actually 
is actually a big pile of trash. But I, I do think that the more you play and the more you just keep winning, it's it's going to help your resume because there's only going to be so many undefeated teams this year because it is so weird. It's a goofy year that there's going to be um, teams having kind of those clunker games more often, I feel. And so if you're winning your games, you're taking care of business, you're, you're fine. Just win and, and move along, like, like kind of like Texas did this past weekend. Yeah, that's a, a good segue. We'll get into our round college football uh, talk for the, the episode. We'll start with the, the big names going down. We talked about it a little bit all, already with LSU uh, getting knocked off by Mississippi State uh, and in Oklahoma for the second straight year getting knocked off by Kansas State. Uh, both uh, games were, were very entertaining games, kind of back and forth. Uh, was was there one that maybe surprised you a little bit more or that was, uh, you know, as a win, more impressive for, for the underdog? I thought – Really, I didn't have nearly the expectations for LSU as a lot of people did. They lost their entire roster, like mm-hmm. everybody of value. Uh, and then you also bring in that their top player isn't playing. Their their second best player opted out of the season. So it's like they didn't have nearly the muster that they did last year. They don't have the wide receivers. They don't have the quarterback. They don't have all those first and second and third round draft picks that are littered around there. They had a completely different offensive coordinator. So I didn't expect them to come out and, and light the world on fire and be the sixth-ranked team. Now, did I think necessarily that they were going to lose to Mississippi State? No. But but I was surprised just how, how bad Oklahoma looked offensively with their ability to um, protect the quarterback. I thought you, you looked at it. Spencer Rattler was was uh, running around the whole time. Now, part of that was he, was, he got – Definitely got happy feet and was really excited to get out of the pocket every chance he did he could. But it was also the fact that um, he was a little gun shy because the offensive line and at of Oklahoma was just dominated by Kansas State uh, and Chris Kleiman. So I thought that was the one that really jumped out to me just because um, you know Kansas State really wants to bring a hard physical brand uh, to the Pac-12. Um, but and I thought that they did a really good job of that. And Oklahoma, who's had such a good offensive line for so long here these past few years, just really looked out of sync. Spencer Rattler, I, I think he's going to be good, but he he definitely had happy feet, and he he was it, if you're going back to NCAA, he was he was the guy who would say a hike, and then all of a sudden he's throwing off his back foot, rolling right every time instead of sitting in the pocket, reading the defense, and making the throw. So I, I think that was the one that jumped out to me because. Lincoln Riley had that team clicking for for multiple years here, and they did not look the part uh, in in basically their first big game of action. Yeah, it was not pretty uh, for for either one, and uh, the the Oklahoma one definitely surprised me more. Um, like you you know you hit the nail on the head with the LSU. That was actually um, in my betting preview. I, I took Mississippi State. I thought that was a really good. Uh, bet for the weekend, and it, it kind of played out exactly how I expected it to because, like you said, they, they lost uh, – you didn't lose Steve Emmingser with uh, the offensive coordinator, but they lost Joe Brady, who was basically uh, the guy behind the offense pulling the strings, lose Dave Aranda, your defensive coordinator, and then you lose pretty much uh, every guy that, that gave you a pulse last year. It, it's, it's tough to expect that. Um, you know, to come back and, and, and compete. You know, I didn't necessarily think Mike Leach was going to go into Death Valley and upset them, but uh, I definitely thought that they would keep it close with, with just a – it's not the same LSU team, but 
for Oklahoma to be up so big and then to uh, kind of blow that lead to, to Kansas State once again is is kind of just telling of where they're at. You know, on the on the defensive side of the ball, they haven't looked good for years, and it, and the offense can get them. Uh, so far, you know, we've seen it in the playoff time and time again, where the the offense will get them there, and the defense uh, just just can't win them the big one. But now all of a sudden, you've got struggles on offense for Oklahoma, which uh, you know it's not like it's something that's developed over the season. That was like you said, their first real test. You know, opening with Missouri State, that's not really a game you can get much read on. Um, so it was uh, definitely surprising to see. Um, the Wildcats take them down again, and then Spencer, Spencer Rattler uh, struggle a little bit. Uh, part of me, you never root against too many kids, but if you watched, I don't know if you watched that QB1 Netflix show, Spencer Rattler did not look impressive in that uh, show. So I, I've always kind of uh, rooted against Oklahoma for that reason. Uh, you know, he was kind of, uh, we'll, we'll call it rude uh, in that Netflix series. So I. It was, it was kind of nice to see him be humbled a little bit, and I, I still think he'll be a great quarterback at the college level. But both games were, uh, you know, had, had all sorts of accident and all sorts of intrigue, which was nice to see. You know, you love those college football upsets, especially early in the season. You don't normally get them, but uh, both games were impressive. And for Kansas State and Mississippi State, now all of a sudden you, you've got that quality win. You know, you talked about winning and, and advancing. Uh, those, are, those are two big wins. Of course, Kansas State lost that early season game to – Arkansas State, but if you would have had that win and the Oklahoma win, now all of a sudden you've got a resume to build on. So it just shows you that every single week matters. For sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because, you know, you use the transitive property and essentially Oklahoma lost to, to Arkansas State, but <laughs> we know that that's not necessarily the case. But um, I also, it was, it was nice to see KJ Costello go out and light the world on fire, throwing the ball around uh, after he's been kind of dealt through with injuries. Uh, since his time at uh, Stanford, so it was cool to see that, and and uh, I'm I'm excited to see um, that Egg Bowl later in the year when when we get to see some craziness with with Leach throwing the ball all over the place and Lane Kiffin doing God knows what. Oh, there's gonna be points galore in that one. That'll be fun uh, Thursday, Thursday or Friday. Um, you know, Thanksgiving week is normally when that one is, so that'll be a whenever that one kicks off, it'll be a fun contest to watch those two. I remember when we did our road trip. Uh, that was one of the games I had circled, uh, you know, our dream road trip uh, to see the Egg Bowl and see uh, see both of those two in action will be uh, must-see television. All right, our next around college football, Texas and Texas A&M, two teams also very highly ranked in the AP poll. Both survived scares, uh, Texas going to overtime against Texas Tech and really needed a miracle comeback, you know, a nice onside kick recovery uh, to tie that game and uh, a two-point conversion to knot it up completely and then win it in overtime. Uh, Texas A&M, they, they, the score was close. The game was just kind of ugly. Uh, they're a team that is, uh, that, you know, people were expecting a lot out of them. They get Alabama this week, and uh, to to only win 12 to seven against Vanderbilt was uh, a, a little <laughs> ugly, <laughs> considering uh, the Commodores and where they were at. But uh, what do you make of? Of that, and and just how important is it that it's, again, maybe you weren't you weren't pretty in the win, and uh, things were struggling, but at the end of the day, you got the win, which keeps you you know a notch ahead of some other teams. Yeah, I think that's that's what it's about is you got to win win those games when when things just aren't going your way. Um, Texas, that showed a lot of grit to be able to win that. I I really was rooting for Texas Tech. I thought they had it in the bag, and then you know I think they were up like fifteen with three minutes left, and then things fell apart on them. Um, but, yeah, I think really between those two, Texas A&M looked like, like another steaming pile of trash. They 
they came in with a lot of hype, like you mentioned, uh, and, and really just failed to live up to that. Um, I just don't think Kellen Mons is that great of a quarterback. I don't think they necessarily have the pieces to, to make a deep run in the SEC this year. But uh, I could be wrong, and that's why you play the games, because that first one can look bad if, if the rest of them look good. So it doesn't really matter from here. You just got to keep winning if you're both of those teams, and they're going to have their opportunities. I know Texas is going to be licking their chops now that Oklahoma's down. Yeah, you're you're in a good spot if, if you've already you know Oklahoma's already got a conference loss this early in the season and Texas just hanging on to win that if if they would have lost it, uh, it'd have been crazy to see uh, you know where the the Big Twelve ended up shaking out because Oklahoma State has been a team that has won ugly but they've won their games and uh, that kind of keeps them uh, a notch above Oklahoma right then and there and then you've got Kansas State who has. Uh, won a, a great game, but but lost the one that you shouldn't have lost uh, early in the season. So uh, the Pac or Pac-12, the Big 12 conference will be uh, one that is 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 certainly something to keep an eye on because there's always a lot of points. There's not a lot of defense, and when you've got these short schedules, one loss can can really make a big difference. But uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how those teams uh, respond. You know, like you said with Texas A&M, uh, got a got a tough test this week with Alabama, Kellen Mond. Is not uh, yeah not someone that I'm sold on either. I've always thought he he's kind of benefited from the school and the name and the coach. Uh, but now these you know every team's got a chance to prove it on the field. It's gonna be interesting to see uh, how they uh, how do the, how do they do that and then how they advance through these uh, you know short and condensed schedules. All right, speaking of uh, kind of not playing their best football, Georgia started a little slow against the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, very suspect quarterback play, uh, and then uh, you know, of course, Jamie Newman was their projected starter. He uh, backed out of the season, opted out for that, uh, and then they got uh, JT Daniels in via transfer, but he was not medically cleared for that first week. He now is medically cleared, so that should give Georgia a, a big boost as they get ready to take on Auburn this week. Uh, what did you make of of their contest, and and how convenient is it that? Uh, you get a, you, a star quarterback, you know, a transfer guy that you were hoping to get eligible in uh, before that Auburn game. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty funny <laughs> that that's just the way it's going to be. I also find it very convenient that JT Daniels was eligible in the first place uh, as a as a transfer, um, being immediately eligible. But anyways, um, you know, I think he's he if he's not the guy, Georgia's not going to be anywhere near the playoff. They shouldn't be at least because. Juan Mathis and Stetson Bennett did not show nearly enough to make them look like anything seemingly close to a, a college football playoff team um, from at least be compared to what we've seen from Georgia in the past. Um, I know that they've got plenty of, of talent on that defense, and it's really good, but to have Arkansas hang with you is never great. Um, and I, I thought that really you also look at it, I thought Auburn, uh, you know, they that game was really close for good chunks of it between Auburn and Kentucky. That was just a wild ride of just weirdness for much of it until they kind of figured it out as well. So I think that's going to be a really fun game next week. But but really, I think if you look at everything that's going on, we're talking about Georgia, we're talking about Texas A&M, we're talking about Oklahoma, we're talking about LSU. Those are all teams that are dealing with quarterback issues basically somewhat. I think A&M is pretty established in who they've got, but you look at those teams and each of them has a new quarterback this year and 
because you didn't have a full assortment of an offseason and you didn't have spring ball, you didn't have all those different pieces, it's good, It's hard to, to kind of click right away. I think that it really helps a team like Wisconsin where I, unless you know, something earth-shattering happens, I think you got Jack Cohn as your guy who's, who's returning as a senior, who's been there, played a lot of football for you. So I, I think that's the type of thing that you look at it and, it's, and it really shows just how important it is to have that established quarterback established team in a lot of ways. The Badgers have a lot to still figure out at the running back position, wide receiver, and other places on offense for how to be dynamic. But but having that quarterback to lead the charge definitely is a, is a major help because the teams that have come out slow here really have struggled at quarterback. Um, another one was Florida State, for example. And then you look at a team like Miami, they're doing really well because they finally have a quarterback. Yeah, continuity uh, within a system and, and within, you know, head coaches and, and coordinators is, is going to be even more important. You know, every year you look at, uh, you know, when a, when a new coach or a new staff takes over, uh, there's there's always things you have to think of when you get a new quarterback, you know, younger players on the offensive line. Uh, that's all important, and that even gets heightened without, you know, no spring ball, uh, kind of a weird fall practice uh, schedule for, for a lot of these teams, so... Uh, anytime you've got, you know, like the Badger situation, you've got your returning left tackle, you've got your returning quarterback, you've got, uh, you know, your head coach and both coordinators, that's a good building block to, uh, you know, field the team and hopefully have success as you get on the field because these teams that are, are going through changes on the staff or are going through changes at some of those key positions are, have definitely struggled. So it'll be uh, nice for the Badgers and hopefully they can take advantage of it in their uh, short little eight-game season uh, here in just a few weeks, and we'll see just maybe if they're, you know, how far, if they are ahead of the curve of some of these teams that are, are dealing with some of that turnover. Yeah, and, and hopefully they are ahead of the curve, and, and it's not something where because they're missing, you know, their their top two wide receivers and they're missing their top running back that it doesn't hurt them. So it's one of those things where it can go both ways, but hopefully it goes in the right direction for the Badgers. Most definitely. All right, guys, we'll go ahead and get into our returner profiles in just a second here, but we're going to knock out our couple ad reads, and then we'll get into uh, – we've got five players lined up. So stick with us through those, and we'll get into some Wisconsin football talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, returner profiles. It's, uh, we started that back up with uh, the announcement to the for the Badgers to return to the field. We've got five players uh, that we are going to talk about today. First one is a outside linebacker. Uh, haven't seen a ton of him. Um, he's appeared in appeared in games. Not really been a guy that uh, has, of course, lit up the stat sheet. But CJ gets. Outside linebacker, um, what do you make of him coming back at, at a position that now, uh, with the uh, moving uh, of Jalen Franklin over to tight end, it gets a little bit thinner. Uh, but maybe he's a guy that you'll you'll see a little bit of, um, you know, on the field this year. Yeah, I mean, he played in all 14 games last year, primarily on special teams. But you've, we've seen him in practice. He's got a really good motor. He, he's a guy who can get around the edge. 
he's athletic, but he's just kind of bounced around trying to figure out a position for him. He came in as kind of a as an inside linebacker, but um, he quickly outgrew that position and slid down to defensive end, and then now he's at outside linebacker, which I think makes a lot more sense for him. Um, at, at 6'3", 240, he's got good size, but he's entering his redshirt sophomore year, so it's kind of – um, time to to kind of push for a spot because whether it's this year or next year, his his time is is ticking here, um, and he wants to get in that too deep. I, I'm not so sure if he's going to be able to do it just because the Badgers have uh, such a, a strong youth movement at that position. But I, I agree with you that with the move of Jalen Franklin, maybe it's it's something to where he can he can get in there. Um, he but he he was really in on um, multiple special teams units, and I think he's a guy that could help them out um, if, he, if he puts it together. Yeah, he's, he's a guy that you, if you look at, is definitely intriguing. You know, he's got the size. He's clearly got the athleticism. Very good on special teams. You know, not just a guy that's out there. Uh, he, he seems like a, a solid player that, you know, if you get him finally comfortable in a, a position, you know, bouncing around from, from inside to the line to now kind of a combo spot at that outside linebacker pass rusher position, Finally, he can maybe get settled in, and, and maybe you could see that jump um, from him this year. And if not, you, outside linebacker is going to be a position that uh, hopefully with the year under his belt this year and, and coming into next year that I think he could really have an impact uh, and, and hopefully you know start to crack uh, some things on the defensive side of the field because he's got athleticism, he's got good size, uh, but it would be nice to just finally get a chance to see it, um, whether it be – in the in the two deep this year or next year or just kind of get a guy getting in uh, you know late in the game if you're up by a lot because he's got potential but bouncing around is certainly have to make it hard on him as a player you're trying to get uh, settled in and you're moving around positions that that can't be easy so uh, now that he's settled it'll be an interesting guy to keep an eye on uh, you know this year and in the next year. Yeah, hopefully it works out for him because he, he does have um, really strong traits. He was a good recruit coming out of high school. It's just been, yeah, it's just been kind of a logjam at outside linebacker. He, defensive end, he definitely appeared to be too small for that position in the Badgers 4-3. I mean, 3-4. Um, and outside, inside linebacker, I don't know if he necessarily um, has the size for that because he's really big for, for that position mm-hmm. at 6-4. So I, I think he's just kind of a tweener that's got to, figure it out and help them out where he can. And, and maybe this is the year he puts it together and helps them out in a way. Um, I think he'd be a really good guy to back up Burks if possible, or, or uh, Isaiah Green may just based off of that Jalen Franklin move. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe he's a guy as we, uh, you know, get into the season where he's surprised and comes out of nowhere and, and makes a big jump kind of like we've had, uh, you know, with Noah Burks last year, a guy that uh, you saw flashes of him, you, you know, the athletic ability that he has. And now, uh, we'll see if he gets a chance to do it on the field. All right, our next player is tight end Hayden Rucci. Uh, of course, we talked to his parents and his brother Nolan a couple episodes back a few weeks ago. So go ahead. if you guys haven't listened to that one, go ahead and check that out. Uh, Nolan made his commitment to Wisconsin, and we had a nice conversation. And then we talked a little bit about Hayden coming back for this year. Um, both his parents said they feel like he's in a good spot coming back, you know, kind of off of injury and working his way into that tight end room. Um, but a highly talented player. Uh, you know, when I when I look at Hayden Rucci, uh, when I wrote up his returner, I think the thing that really stands out for him is is his physicalness. Um, he, he's great catching the ball um, and 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 being a guy that could be in the passing game. But his I think his strong suit is really 
a guy that has, has just ability to kind of do it all and, and really throw some blocks. He, he's physical. His brothers the same way. Both are, are very strong. So an interesting candidate at the tight end position. Uh, you know, when you look at uh, who's in the room, of course, you've got Jake Ferguson, but there's a lot of depth and, and guys looking to kind of get on the field this year. So what do you make of, of Hayden Rucci as he comes back uh, this season? Yeah, I think he's definitely going to be one of the guys vying for, um, you know, inline tight end role. I, I think Jake Ferguson is going to see, see the field a lot. I, I do think that there's a potential for a guy like Jalen Franklin to see some time as an H-back, which is primarily a pass catcher. But the inline tight end spot is wide open. And I think Hayden Rucci is a guy at 6'4", 250 plus, that he, he could make some waves there if he's healthy. And, and he is, from all accounts, he's ready to, to make a dent in. And I think really you you look at his size. I think him and Clay Cundiff um, could could really uh, make waves there if they can if they can put it together and do that. I think they're going to have to battle Gabe Lloyd, who's an upperclassman walk on, who's also really a really good athlete, similar size. Um, but I but I do think that you look at Rucci and it makes a ton of sense for this to be a year where he can play. Cormac Sampson's no longer at tight end. He's now on the offensive line interior. Um, and I think that really opens up the gates for, for some of these younger tight ends um, who are redshirt freshmen um, to, to vie for one of those roles and to, to play a little bit. And I think that's what you need. The Badgers deploy a lot of, a lot of tight ends. And, and really, it was, it was a, a lot to ask for either of the freshman tight ends last year to come in and play automatically. Tight end's such a hard position to come in and play immediately. Um, it always, almost always takes a redshirt uh, year to do it. I think Jake Ferguson uh, should have a big year, but I think just strengthening that room and continuing to to bolster it, a, a guy like Rucci has a chance to to pop and make make an impact because we're not totally sure how long Ferguson is going to be around in a Wisconsin uniform, and the Badgers need multiple guys there at the tight end position so that they can actually get into some more personnel packages than they were kind of limited by last year due to the lack of tight ends that were available. Yeah, and, and, you know, the growth of this room will be uh, especially important as you look towards, uh, you know, a, a certain role this year, but also next year. Um, when you talk about Gabe Lloyd and Jake Ferguson and, and not knowing uh, how long you're going to have a staple like that in Ferguson. So seeing some growth out of that, that group is, is going to be important. And for Joel Rudolph and Paul Chris, this year they can play the guys that uh, have earned it and can get on the field because of their play and not just kind of out of necessity. You know, with the injuries they had last year, they were just looking for bodies at that tight end position. This year you've got a, you know that room you know shored up a little bit where you won't have to you know be throwing guys out there that aren't ready. So I, I think you'll see some nice uh, development from you know the, the Ruchis and the Cundips of the world. And then the next year, uh, who knows what kind of role they'll take on. It'll be nice and an important storyline to watch for this team when you think of the grand scheme. Of, of where they're at, uh, you know, with that tight end position group. No All right, our next player, Boyd Dietzen, uh, a guy, again, that has played a little bit, appeared in uh, 14 games for the Badgers, highly recruited uh, kid out of high school. Um, what do you make of him as he comes back on that uh, defensive line? Yeah, another guy out of, out of Kimberly, who, which is one of the top schools in, in the state, at, at kind of pumping out uh, championships and, and wins um, from – from that area, I, I think he's a guy who he's he's getting better in size. You look at it, six three two seventy now. Uh, that was the biggest question mark for him was kind of adding the weight because he came in um, at, at 
kind of around that 240, 250 range, and now being up to 272 um, as a redshirt sophomore, he, he's getting to a space where he can fit into that defensive end role better and, and help them out. I think I think this, there's a lot of depth there in front of him still to, to kind of overcome. I think Isaiah Mullins and him are both guys who are, are kind of stuck behind, um, you know, Hennison, Henningsen, and then you've also got your, your two regular starters in Isaiah Laudermilk and Garrett Rand. So I think he, he's a guy who, if he could start and, and do some things on the as a, as a backup this year and, and kind of show, hey, I'm ready when the seniors are leaving to, to make that leap, I think that would go a long way in helping him out because he's got talent. He's, got a, he's really quick off the ball. It's just going to be a matter of him continuing to add weight and to show the coaches that, the, that he is going to be the guy to go – go um, opposite side of Henningsen instead of a guy like Mullins or, you know, maybe if they get creative trying to move a guy like um, Bryson Williams out to the end um, in 2021. So I think it's really a play for him now as special teams and as a reserve to push forward for a role in 2021. Yeah, you look at the guys in front of him right now, you don't see him probably cracking the field too much, uh, you know, I Hopefully, you know, not hopefully for his case, but you know, if you look at the starters with Rand and Loudermilk, you hope that those guys are healthy and on the field, and you don't have to, uh, you know, go to Deetson before he's not ready. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he kind of develops. Kind of the same situation as, as Rucci in that tight end room, where there's a couple guys in front of him, and of course, Rucci you'll probably see a little bit more because they play, you know, a deeper tight end room. But uh, it's going to be important to kind of see growth out of him with, you know, Loudermilk and, and Rand. Uh, you know, being guys that this could be, you know, you know, they're in their final season, so it's it makes sense for them to have hopefully a big year and then someone step into their shoes uh, at those end position, you know, after the season. So if he can kind of grow within that position, learn um, behind those two and, and be a guy that could be paired in there with, with Mullins and Henderson and like Bryson Williams maybe bouncing out there, I think uh, the development there is going to be important because you've got the, the two uh, the two guys that are clearly your starters and, and dominating ends when they're playing, um, and then if you could develop two guys behind them and, and be ready for next year, it'd be a, a nice sight to see at that defensive end position. Yeah, for sure. Um, what about AJ Abbott? What, what what do you think about him? I think I know he's the next guy on our returning profiles that we're going to talk about. Uh, you know, he's a guy. You you look at the wide receiver room. It's kind of similar with Taj Mustafa that we talked about last week. Uh, looking to make a name for himself and, and hop in there. But I think the, the nice part for, for Abbott is, of course, you've got Danny Davis in front of him. You've got Kendrick Pryor in the slot. And then you've got the, the two seniors uh, uh, behind those two and Crumholz and Dunn. Uh, he, they're kind of, you know, Abbott and, and Mustafa are in that next man up. But for, for both of those guys, and in Abbott's case, when you're looking for a guy to maybe line up opposite Danny Davis, uh, at 6'2", you're you're at a good start because you've got the height, but you've also got Elvis Witted, who's coming in uh, as a new position coach that doesn't have anything um, other than what he's seen of each of those guys. You know, he's not a guy that has been working with, uh, you know, Dunn or, or Crumholz for five years, and he wants to get them on the field. And I, I think Elvis Witted is going to put the best receivers on the field no matter what age and, and, and where you're at in the position, so... Uh, if if you're gonna you know make a crack at this too deep at the receiver position, here's your shot, and he's certainly a guy that can do it. He's got athleticism, and we talked about the height. Maybe uh, hasn't been a a super highly recruited kid, but it's a guy that has developed uh, okay, and now it's just time to see it. Uh, you know he's he's been a little bit on special teams, but 
hasn't played a ton uh, at the receiver position. So to see where he's at and if he can get a, a crack at the field would be uh, a fun sight. And, and now he's, is his chance to prove it. Yeah, I think I think he's the the most likely guy out of any of the wide receivers. I think Chimray DK could be a wild card, but I do think that AJ Abbott is is the most likely non-senior to to see the field in wider at the wide receiver position. You you mentioned he's he's got the height at six two, so he he's got something that no one else on this roster has uh, really. I mean, you you've got Cooper Nelson, but he's a walk on who's who's still years away. Um, whereas AJ Abbott, you know, he he added some good weight. He's up to two hundred pounds. And I think you saw him pop into uh, practice footage in, in the B-roll that UW released. Uh, he, he was running with the first team, making catches. So I think he's a guy that if he can establish a nice connection with Jack Cohn, he's going to get reps. And I think he could easily be your number three wide receiver this year um, just because he does bring something different than than what the other guys does do. And I think – Really, if he can put it all together and be consistent, we've we've seen it in practice. He makes some really great catches, and he looks the part at at run running routes because he's got speed at his size as well. It's just a matter of um, making um, those easy plays look easy and, and and knowing what to do. And now entering redshirt sophomore year, it's it's time to grind and be out there. I think we don't know a lot about some of these younger wide receivers because it was the Quintez Cephas and AJ Taylor show last year. So I think AJ Abbott is a guy who can really benefit from this now entering, like I said, it's his, it's his third year on campus. And, and I think that's usually a time where it can click for wide receivers. Um, but if it doesn't, you look at 2021, it's another time because you've got those four seniors leaving. If he can once again, set himself up like a boy Dietzen, like a Hayden Rucci, that, hey, I'm the next guy, I'm the next wave to to make those plays and, and to get some playing time this year, I think it would go a long way to helping the Badgers be set up nicely for the future at wide receiver. Yeah, you, you look at the, the position and how it shakes out, you're going to need some, you know, some step-ups from uh, some of these guys. And he's he's got all the talents, he's got the ability to do it, um, and hopefully he can show that on the field and, and make a jump up because it'll be something that the Badgers could use this year and they'll definitely need here in the future with uh, those seniors and, and guys uh, you know, moving on possibly after this season. All right, our next guy I think is a, a really intriguing player uh, and in an intriguing spot. We've talked a little bit about the Jalen Franklin uh, moving positions to tight end, kind of opens up some things at outside linebacker. Uh, we talked about a few shows ago that this uh, player in Spencer Lytle kind of benefits the most from that uh, switch as he's now got the ability and, and the chance to kind of move into uh, an outside linebacker position and, and play a significant amount, you know, not just a rotation guy. He could be a guy that's on the field a lot. I know the coaching staff is, is very high on him, but what do you make of Spencer Lytle as he comes into this season now with uh, you know a, a better chance of getting on the field? I think I think he's definitely like you said the guy is gonna to to watch the most out of this outside linebacker room. I think uh, Green May is probably gonna be the starter opposite Burks, um, barring something um, changing. But I, I do think Lytle will be in the rotation. I think he'll be the third guy up. I think Herbig's another guy who could really pop in there uh, as well. But Lytle and Herbig are very different players. Lytle brings something different than really anybody else in the room. Be, because he covers so well in space. And he's a guy that they could bring out there to drop into coverage more and, and to kind of rove around a little bit. He, he added some good weight this offseason, which is, which is huge for him. But I do really think that Lytle would have played a little bit last year if he was healthy. 
Um, I, in mm-hmm. talking to Bobby April going into the year, he raved about him and just wanted to see him back on the field, getting him out there. Um, you know, he's up to 235 pounds, so he's got size to, to kind of hold the, hold the edge. It's now it's going to be a matter of him getting those reps and playing. I think you could see him playing uh, a similar role to Tyler Johnson last year in that Tyler Johnson played a lot of snaps, wasn't necessarily the, the starter, didn't, uh, didn't play starter minutes, but he definitely saw a lot of snaps, was that rotational piece in there for the Badgers. And I, I think he's a guy that, depending upon the team that they're going up against, the, the fit and what they're trying to do, he could see um, a good amount of uh, production at, at that outside linebacker spot. He's probably not going to be um, the pass rushing specialist that everybody thought that like a guy like Jalen Franklin or Isaiah Green may uh, really bring to the table and that people drew over. But what he can be is a really, really good outside linebacker and, and really one of the top players um, on that defense that at a position that really does a lot for this defense overall. Yeah, it's it's going to be uh, I think a very interesting player to watch as we get into uh, uh, into practices. Of course, you know you it'd be a guy that if we were able to go to practice, um, uh, unfortunately you can't with COVID. But you know, like last year, he would have been been a guy that you know when when you and I went to practice, a guy that you really keep your eye on because he's got the the opportunity now with the position and with the skill set to to really impress them, and it'd be nice to be able to watch how he progressed throughout fall practice. We won't get to see that, but we'll get to see kind of where uh, he's at what, that first game, you know, who's going to be out there. Uh, like you said, I, I think it's going to be Green May at that outside linebacker position, you know, given the weight that he's put on, the length that he is as pass rusher. But I think you'll see a lot of Spencer Lytle if he, you know, is everything that the coaching staff has talked about and, and thinks of him, which I have every reason to believe that, uh, they're very high on him, and there's a reason why. So he's a guy that uh, definitely keep an eye on at that outside linebacker position, and will be fun to watch as we go forward here. All right, guys, that's the last of our player profiles for today. Um, so like I said at the top of the show, we'll be back with you um, later this week. We're going to start getting into the depth chart, uh, you know, talk about the offensive side and the defensive side, probably have an episode for each because there's a lot to get to with the Badgers. Uh, so it should be a fun episode here coming up. We'll probably do a mailbag to answer any of your guys' uh, questions as we work closer to the kickoff of the Big Ten football season. So thank you guys, as always, for listening. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe if you enjoyed. And we'll be back with you later in the week on Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs>